0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church podcast. crushed confused um sad maybe a little maybe a little shame he walks through his parents' house, gently closing the door behind him. He's not one who slams doors and yells and screams. He's the kind of guy who internalizes things before he says them. He thinks through the repercussions of, if I say this, I, I just don't want to ever be in that spot. So he thinks things through, he goes through the house to his room, a makeshift curtain. In the corner that just kind of squares off a little pallet on the floor. And there he lays down and he stares up through the holes in the thatch ceiling, looking at the stars, closing one eye, you know, tilting his head in a certain direction, just trying to kind of think past what has just unfolded in his life. He knows there's only one option left, just one. It's got to be called off. It's got to be called off. There's no sense in the sooner the better. Pull the band-aid off fast. Cut it off quick. Just let it be what it is. It's a small community, and so it's going to spread because you know what it's like living in a small community. You learn stuff about you before it ever happens. And it's going to go around the community. But it will eventually die down. And he's a guy who thinks about other people, and even if even if he's been wounded and hurt in the process, but he knows this is what has to happen. And he begins to just mold this stuff over in his head. How in the world did this happen? I never saw this coming. Because he closes his eyes and just hope that sleep will overtake him to the point to where he doesn't have to think about this one more minute. Just a little respite from your brain. Have you ever felt so that you just wanted a vacation from your brain for just a moment? It's just running and running and you're like, somebody shut this down. It just keeps going and he just wants a little bit of respite. I don't want to think for one minute. Can I just, and he's asleep. He begins to dream in vivid, vivid scenes and colors, seeing things and hearing things he'd never seen, he'd never heard before. It was weird. I was talking to my kids and my wife about this the other day. And they were talking about dreams and having dreams and this kind of deal. And I said, I had a dream the other day about a mountain lion. I was like, in my dream, I said, huh, that's a mountain lion. It's a good thing this is a dream. My oldest daughter's like, guess what I do. Like, I know what's going on. I like, I know what's going on. It's, in my, it's a dream. I know what this is. I'm not scared. You could chase me or do whatever. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not scared. It's a dream. I know this is a dream. This is just happening. My wife says, not me. Not me. I come out like, oh, oh, my goodness gracious. He begins to dream in this vivid color like he'd never had a dream before. And then there was this angel. And the angel spoke to him and said, Joseph son of David and I think Joseph in that moment had the thought son of David that's an odd title for me it's true my lineage goes back to King David that's odd and I wonder maybe Joseph knew this was going on he knew this dream was a dream he knew something was happening and he's beginning to think inside of his own dream it's like inception isn't it you know? and the angel says to him do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for what has been done to her was done by the Holy Spirit she's going to have a son and you are to name him Jesus Because Jesus means save his people from their sins. Awake. You ever had that feeling like you just woke up and you're like, I hope that wasn't real? Or, I wish that were real. I remember running to the window and looking outside for my brand new motorcycle. I don't know why I was getting a motorcycle when I was seven, but I thought somebody was going to get me one. But it wasn't on the sidewalk, right where it was where I left it. Mm, Hmm, the dream. Then you have those other dreams, and you wake up, and you're like, I'm so glad that was just a dream. I don't need to be guilty of that crime, you know? (laughs) Joseph woke up. And I don't know what his thought process was. Maybe he was just so sure that was like nothing else before. I know I didn't fabricate this because in my situation, the the woman that I'm engaged to is now pregnant and I didn't do it and I'm being told to marry her anyway and I still have peace. I didn't fabricate all of this in my own mind. But he's a good man. He's not one to yell and scream, slam doors. He thinks things through. Internalizes everything before he speaks. In my mind, he comes out of his room, the little makeshift curtain in the corner. He comes out of his room, and when he does, his mother is standing there. He, her and his father are whispering back and forth in that sad kind of whispering, like, What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This is going to be so sad and devastating for him. I mean, this is just going to be so difficult. Nobody knows about the dream, only him. And as he pulls back the curtain, his mother does that thing that only moms do. Oh. That's the sadness. Like, oh. And she opens her arms, like, come here. And Joseph walks to his father and he says, I need the mahor. I need the mahor. And the matin. That's the dowry. You see, a Jewish engagement works this way. The parents arrange the relationship. And they put the people together. This is your bride. In the future, this is your bride. Their family and our family will work good together. We can have our own little clan. This is going to be perfect. They have a kid about your age. We have a kid their age. This is going to be perfect. This is going to be great. That's going to be your bride. The only thing that needs to happen now is the dowry is the thing that shows up. The engagement is important. Not like now where you get an engagement you get a ring on your finger and it's like, I hope we make it to the wedding. Like that. Not like that. This is like, this is a contract and we've made it. The only thing we haven't done is deliver the goods on both sides. And so as soon as they have the dowry, this family has the dowry, the husband, the groom's side has the dowry. He will show up at the door, pound on the door with a handful of cash and be like, I'm here for you know what. And that's the moment that he gets to take his bride back to his father's house. It's kind of a payment because they're losing a productive member of their family who can work and produce and provide. And with the husband, the groom coming and taking her away, there must be some sort of stipend. So this family pays for what she might be worth. But the matin is the other. It's the gift that the husband brings to the bride. And the only thing that needs to happen is for him to show up at the house. But can you imagine that long trek through town? Everybody already knows. It's just a small community. It's been on Facebook for like 18 hours. Everyone knows. (laughs) But like within the church, it's not Facebook. It's called the prayer chain. did you hear about so-and-so? We should pray for him and you should call and tell someone else. That's the way that goes. And his father's puzzled, confused, like this is, are you sure? He knew he could question his son, but he knew who his son was. His son is a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a good man. If he makes up his mind, he's made up his mind. He's a good man. Boy, are you sure? I'm sure. He takes it. He stuffs it in his pocket, the dowry and the gift. Stuffs them in his pocket, and he begins to walk through town. Can you see the faces of the people nearby? There's people who just ignore him. Hey, Joseph, with that look on their face like... Hey Joseph. Oh, that's terrible. Hey, Joseph. He's probably going to kill someone. Hey, Joseph. Then there's the other ones who are like, tough luck. Tough luck, pal. There's the whispers. It's Joseph. Who? Joseph who shall Mary's Joseph hey Joseph he begins to walk right down the middle of town until he gets to Mary's father's house he stands in front of the door his eyes begin to fill with tears because this is the moment right now that he had waited for but the circumstances are not quite like he had hoped couple minutes later, the door opens. Her father is standing there with this confused look on his face like, are you here to harm somebody, or what's the deal? This look of like, I've never known you to be this kind of guy, but the situation could kind of warrant it. He thrusts his hands into his pockets. And he pulls out the dowry and the gift. And he puts it in front of him. And he says, I'm here for my bride. father's eyes begin to well up with tears because he don't know what to do. Is Mary here? Can I see Mary? Here Mary comes. Sheepishly from the back room, She's walking out her hand on her belly and she peeks around. She sees Joseph and it's just this moment of like, I know the truth, but I can't make you know the truth. And he just smiles. This smile that says it's okay. I don't understand what's going on in our life or who signed us up for this, but it's okay. And they go and they hold each other's hands and they weep. And the father's standing there like, I don't know what's going on. It's just so confusing. And she just keeps staring at him like, why are you okay? And it's interesting because Matthew's version of the Christmas story gives us nothing but this. He found out she was pregnant. He had not had union with her. He has a dream and the dream in the, in the dream the angel says go take her as, do not be afraid to take her as your wife which means go seal the deal go pay the dowry And he went and he paid the dowry but he did not have union with her until after she gave birth to the boy Matthew's Christmas story goes just like this It's the shortest Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And it's not even the whole verse. It's like a half of a verse. And it's not even that. It's in like past tense. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, no shepherds, no sheep, just after When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to the son. And they gave him the name Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. We just, Matthew's Christmas story, after Jesus was born. That's it. After Jesus was born. What I love what I love about it is that Matthew's version of the Christmas story is one that asks us about our posture How's your posture? How's your posture when it comes to Christmas? What's your posture at Christmas? You know what kids uh, posture is at Christmas this give me some gifts You know what parents is? <sighs> that's that's the parents posture Oh great! Matthew says, what's your posture? And he starts with number one, you should stand. You should stand. Joseph was told to do a thing, and he just stood up and did it. He just stood up and did it. Do you know why? Because Matthew's gospel is a Jewish gospel and its whole point is to establish that Jesus is not only the spiritual king of everything, but he is also the rightful physical king to the throne of David through the line of David who is Joseph, son of David. And Matthew wants to establish the fact that he is the king in both worlds. This one, check this out. Where we live now Right here, the king for us, the rightful king for us, and spiritually. And Matthew's point is to focus on that. He wants to point to the vastness of it all and say, what is your posture? When the king speaks, what do you do? Do it. You stand up and you go do it, just as Joseph did. And then Matthew jumps. He doesn't even give us shepherds. You know what Joseph also doesn't give us? He doesn't give us a way in the manger. No, we're not. We don't get any. In fact, you know what else you don't get with Matthew? A manger. What? There's no manger. You read through Matthew's Christmas story. There's no manger. You don't get a manger. You don't get a shepherd or sheep. Nothing. You don't even get any songs. We just jump from there after Jesus was born to this. Then the Magi showed up from the east. Do you know anybody who's ever given themselves their own nickname? If you've ever done that, I need to go ahead and just break the news to you right now. Not cool. <laughs> Yo, my name is Jared. You can call me J Dog. I think I'll stick with Jared. <laughs> yeah, but I prefer J Dog. I prefer to not ever talk to you again. <laughs> Yo, my name's Craig. You can call me Cricket. I'll probably just stick with Craig. Thanks. Craig. It's just not a thing you should do. Like the purpose of a nickname isn't something you just give yourself a nickname. You give somebody else a nickname. That's what you do. And if you do give yourself a nickname, that's okay with me if you do it. I just don't want you to share it with me. All right. Just. Could you call me, you know? No, I can't. I can't. I need to I can't do that. Right. Or we can't be friends ever again. We can't do it ever again. And see, here's the thing. King Herod gave himself a nickname. You know what's interesting? He calls himself King of the Jews. That's going to pose a problem in the future. Calls himself King of the Jews. The Magi show up from the east. Following the star. They follow it all the way through. They go, to, they go to Jerusalem and they knock on the great big huge palace doors. and They open up and King Herod comes walking down the hall. He's got a little badge King Herod, King of the Jews. They're like, Oh, are you the King of the Jews? Oh, can I help you? Yeah, we are uh, we come from the east. I don't know if you read Matthews, but we come from the east. And uh, we're in search for the one who is born king of the Jews. Here's why this is kind of interesting. Herod was only half Jewish. So he wasn't born king of the Jews. He's barely even, he's kind of Jew-ish. Sorry. <laughs> I should have scratched that out then. Whatever. He's not even the real deal. And uh, these guys are here asking about the one who's born king of the Jews and then they go on to explain because we saw his star and Herod in his mind is like I didn't get a star where was my star yeah we saw his star and he's supposed to be born here nearby and Herod's like ha, ha, of course, I'll be right back and he goes to the back he calls the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he said is there supposed to be somebody who's king of the Jews being born and then they just go like, just like this uh, duh. Yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. Where? And they look at him and they say, check this out. This is the knowledge that they had. Bethlehem. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. You've been sitting on this information, have you? Whatever. Goes back out to the front to visit the magi. Hey, I tell you what. You guys find the, what do you call him? The one born king of the Jews? The Born king of the Jews? Okay, find the one born king of the Jews, and when you find him, come back here, let me know where he is, so I too can go worship him. Herod was a psychopath. In more ways than you know. He had his own sons, and he killed them quite often because his paranoia would would stir him up. He would take them out to the family pool and dunk them under. Everyone was after the throne. Herod was absolutely—I mean—a psychopath, and you see that because what happens next? The Magi they show up and they go down and they down to Bethlehem and they and they find um, they find Jesus and his mother and the family at their home. And it says when they got there, they bowed down and worshipped. But before that, it says, they saw them and they were overjoyed. Look at this verse. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This word, overjoyed, it's not just a single word, overjoyed. Like, are you happy? I'm pretty happy. Not pretty happy. Overjoyed, this word right here, requires four different Greek words for you to get to the point of overjoyed. Extremely great, overjoyed, great. It's just like speechless to where you ramble. Like, do you love it? I'm jump Wow! Overjoyed. And they are overjoyed. And look what it says they do. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They bowed down and worshipped. What is Matthew trying to tell us with this Christmas story, with his version? He's the king. And you know what? If magi from the east who are not Jewish, who have absolutely no connection to Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the line of David, King Herod, or any part of this country... Somehow, reckon through the stars that something important has happened, and they show up here and they bow down and worship because of the stars. What do you think your responsibility is? He's the king. You know what else struck me the other day? That nobody got Jesus a jack in a box. I know that doesn't sound too profound right now, but change the gift. They didn't get him a baby rattle. I don't know how old he is right here. They didn't get him a bicycle. Isn't that what you do when you give a gift? Isn't that part of the stress of buying gifts for somebody? He's impossible to buy for Jesus, you know? He's hard to get anything. I mean, what do you get the guy that already has everything, you know? You know what's crazy to me, though? Is that they didn't give Jesus what would be valuable to Jesus. They gave Jesus what was valuable to them. Oh, now that's not very nice, is it? What do you give Jesus? What you think's valuable to Jesus or what's valuable to you? I like to give Jesus a jack-in-the-box. A jack-in-the-box prayer life. That's what I give him. I like to give him baby rattle repentance. That's what I like to give him. Oh, sorry about that, Jesus. I like to give Jesus a bunch of little plastic crap devotional uh, stuff that I really don't mean when I say these little prayers and I do these little things. That's what I like to do. I like to give Jesus some stuff that I think he would really, really like. It looks like something you'd find in a Happy Meal. That's the kind of stuff I give Jesus. I hardly ever give him anything that's important to me. I mostly keep that for myself. But not these guys. They bowed down and worshipped and gave him things that were important to them. They bowed down and worshipped. There's a posture to Christmas. And through Matthew's eyes, the posture of Christmas is this. At some point, we have to stand up and say, I want to be obedient to whatever it is God wants me to do. And listen, most of the time, the things that he asks of you are small and so terribly difficult to do. It's stuff like, be generous with my time. Oh! I'm not good at. Be generous with my time. Be patient. Those are the things he asks of me. And the posture for me is to first stand, then it's to bow and worship.